before we, uh, we get started, we want to recognize that uh, it is Veterans Day weekend as we have this series where we are considering a glass half empty approach to life and how we can turn that upside down and have a glass half full perspective on life. One of the reasons that we're able to do that is because we have the freedom to be here and gain needed perspective. Uh, and so there are men and women that have risked their lives so that you and I uh, can be here to talk about the greatest sacrifice ever than Jesus Christ dying for you and I. Uh, and so because of that freedom, I want to pause and I want to pray and I want to give thanks to God uh, for that we're able to do this. God, I thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you for this experience, Lord. I thank you for perspective, Father. I thank you, Father, that we have the freedom to meet here in Tom's River, downtown Tom's River, New Jersey, in the basement of a building because men and women have willingly uh, risked their lives to protect this freedom. Father, we love you. We thank you. And we ask that you would move powerfully. Holy Spirit, move through this service. In your name, amen. When? Have you guys ever considered this phrase, tunnel vision? Have you thought through what tunnel vision is, what it isn't? If you haven't, I Googled it for you. Uh, two definitions of tunnel vision. Limited vision as in seeing uh, only your point of view. Another definition of tunnel vision is a narrow or restricted vision, especially limited uh, to seeing only what is in front of you. Tunnel vision can be good. Tunnel vision can be, can be good. In the book uh, Peak Performance, it will talk about how tunnel vision will actually make you a very high performer when you're focused on a task, and that is the only thing you're focused on. Task, task, task. You're not worrying about email. You're not worrying about a co-worker. It's the task. You have tunnel vision for the task. You're able to accomplish said task. It's good on a sports field. Have you ever played on a sports field where they're talking a whole lot of chirping in your ear? Tunnel vision on a sports field helps you tune out the noise to focus on your sport and your craft. Tunnel vision is good in marriage, is it not? Ava wants me to have tunnel vision for her and her alone. It's good in marriage, but it could be also bad in marriage, couldn't it? When if I don't have tunnel vision, sometimes, or tunnel vision could be bad in that, sometimes Ava, well, I'll revert. Sometimes I might only see Ava's bad, and because I have tunnel vision on the bad, I lose sight of the good. In our day and age, tunnel vision can be bad with Fox News only or CNN only, like they're not being well informed. There's many ways in which tunnel vision can be bad. Have you ever worked with a coworker that has tunnel vision and they're, they're focused on something but they become fixated on the problem and they fail to step back and see that there might be some solutions to some problems, but they're so fixated on the problem because that's what they're honing in on. We, we can do that. Check out, I, I uh, from my laptop, zoomed in on a picture. It's a zoomed in, and, and sometimes this, this doesn't look like much. It, we, we're, we're tunnel vision, zooming in. We, this is all that we might see, and when that's the case, we might lose sight of the masterpiece. Go to what this actually is. In our tunnel vision, we might only see this little piece of the puzzle. We might get a small glimpse. When this is our tunnel vision, we lose sight of the masterpiece. And I think we can do that with God. Have you ever thought that, that your life is just a sliver of eternity? That perhaps God has been painting a picture well before you and he'll continue painting a picture well after you? Have you ever thought that like, you, can, you, you and your problems, me and my problems, get fixated right here? 
And I get fixated right here. I lose sight of what God is crafting over the whole masterpiece that he's painting with my life and our lives in this thing we call life. When we're fixated here, it's hard to find things to be thankful for. But when we see the whole picture, you know, that, that breeds gratitude. God, thank you for painting a masterpiece. Today is going to look a little bit different. If this is your first time, this, is, this won't be the typical experience. We're going to read through, talk through Psalm 136. But Tyndale said that this psalm likely would have been read responsively. So today is going to be much more interactive. When I read the psalm, I'll invite you to stand. And there's a phrase that is repeated over and over. I'll read one portion, then I'll invite you to respond with the phrase that's repeated over and over. I'll get there in a second. But then because of the responsive nature of what Tyndale said, that this is likely how it would have been done back in the day, I'm going to preach a little bit, then we're going to sing a little bit. Then I'll preach a little bit, then we'll sing a little bit. I, I want to respond today. I want to give us an opportunity to step back and think about the cosmos. Think about our God. Think about what God has been crafting throughout all of eternity and to respond to that with worship throughout the service. And so this is, this is how it starts. I'm, I'll read what's in black and then the greenish-blue color right there. Uh, you'll read, you'll say that. So can I invite you to stand for a second? I'll read and then you respond. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. You can have a seat. Have you ever thought that God, as he's crafting this masterpiece, as only God can do, God has tunnel vision for you. God, as only God can do, can have tunnel vision while create, creating a masterpiece that is you. Go back to that verse right here. Don't go back. Stay here. This verse, this word, love. Any of you here know Hebrew? I don't. I had to read about this word. This word is so critically important. It's this Hebrew word, hesed. You know why it's so important? Because if you're the early reader, you would know what this word dictates. This word says, this, this word gets at that loyalty. This word gets at steadfastness. This, this word gets at a king, one with authority, one that has the ability to love and to act. That God loves you. He's loyal to you. He's painting a masterpiece, but he loves you. Tested as if you are the only one. And so I look at my God who's in authority, has the ability to love me as only God can to show me mercy. Have you, ever, have you paused to think about that word mercy? If a king, a God with authority, a God with authority has the ability not to show mercy, to look at at what you've done, what I've done, and say, I will not extend to you mercy. Mercy is saying, my life demands certain judgment. My life has, 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 has resulted in a king punishing me. It's deserved. Mercy, hesed love would say, I will show you love and mercy by not giving you what you do deserve. The early this word hesed, the writer is talking about 
God's merciful love to you and to I. And so he invites the reader to pause and to consider. The New York Times put out an article last year right before Thanksgiving. It's called The Selfish Side of Gratitude. In it, it says, it's good to express our thanks, of course, to those who deserve recognition. But this holiday, gratitude is all about you and how you can feel better. And it's like this long article about all of the ways in which when you express gratitude, all the perks and benefits to you. So express gratitude because it's good for your health. Have you ever noticed that person that when they're when you're in a season of giving thanks or or, or people are, are being grateful, but you're looking at the person, you're like, how did you turn a time of gratitude into all about you? Like you're thankful for you. Is that really like you're a jerk? Like you, you kind of sit back and you're like, uh, we're talking about gratitude, and I'm supposed to be thanking me for my wife or something, but I'm turning it on myself. And have you ever met those people? You know who else was like that in Jesus' day? The Pharisees. Pharisees, these religious leaders, they would sit up in front of the congregation. God, I'm thankful I give so much because Susie Joe over there, she don't give a dime. God, I'm thankful I'm able to give so much. God, I'm thankful I'm able to serve because, oh, Joey Joey over there, he ain't, he ain't serving, he ain't doing nothing, but I get to serve. God, thank you. Thank you that I get to serve. They're, they're able to twist it to make it all about us, and that's what religion does. Religion says, be thankful for yourself, and when you screw up, just outwork the next person, the person next to you. But a relationship says, I'm thankful for the only one that I can be thankful for, Jesus Christ. It all rests on him. And our gratitude doesn't go to myself. I can't accomplish anything apart from Jesus. I'm grateful for the only one, Jesus. So let's stand and sing grateful. Stay standing and read with me the, uh, the, next, uh, the next portion. To him who lo alone does great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule over the day. moon and the stars to rule over the night. You guys can have a seat. The psalmist takes them right to the beginning. He's not, he's not taking them there to, to grovel, to, to complain, to, to necessarily even debate, well, how did the earth come to be? How did God do it? And, and to sometimes to nitpick the, the book of Genesis. He, he came there to, to guide them towards saying, just step back. Think about this planet. Think, think about everything that you and I might typically take Granted, Think about creation because creation points to the work of a creator. Have you ever stepped back to think what we would do without sunlight? He highlights that in the verse. Have, have we ever stopped to be thankful for sunlight? Over the summer, not now, it would be weird now, but to go to the beach, to sit there in your beach chair, to let the sun just kind of soothe you. To, to rest over you and to have the rushing the rushing waves in the background, the sand between your toes. Some of you are going on vacation tomorrow. <laughs> to pause just to thank God that for you and I, we can 
walk out our doors and, and just take in God's beautiful creation. It points to a creator that cares about you, that has crafted this whole giant world and cares about you as if you're the only one. This world, like, like that, that we had, get to produce life and that this all is held together. Other planets aren't that privileged. We are privileged. We stand on a privileged planet that sustains life, holds it all together. Here are some little factoids for you about the Earth that I Googled, and so it has to be correct. At the equator, the circumference of the globe is just under 25,000 miles. So if you wanted to walk the circumference of the globe, you'd have to put on your walking shoes to walk 25,000 miles. Fun fact, if you went on the scale this morning, you would never want to weigh yourself at the North Pole because you're a little heavier. So next time you want to weigh yourself, jump to the equator and you'll weigh a little bit less. Another little fun factoid for you. If you like the need for speed at, at different portions of our Earth, you could be traveling through space, whipping through space at over a 1,000 miles in an hour. That's pretty fast. It doesn't feel that way, but you're moving pretty fast. And a little fun fact, I found this out when I was Googling. Antarctica continent has 70% of the Earth's water source. 70% of the fresh water source is in Antarctica. You know what else is fun about Antarctica? Do you know what it's actually considered? It's considered a desert because it gets less than two inches of rain each year. But that rain is ice and it maintains its ice status. That Antarctica is considered a desert. Fun fact, you'll Google that later. Have we ever stepped back to think, God, you're active and you sustain life in ways that are unimaginable. To think just for a second, to get out from our circumstances, to get out from ourselves and think, God, this is, this is creation and it's worth us pausing to wonder. So let's sing wonder together. As you're, as you're standing, read this next portion with me. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and outstretched arm to him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea To him who led his people through the wilderness. You can have a seat. He's, the psalmist has commanded them to, to reflect upon the Lord's Hesed love. He's reminded them of the beauty of creation and how you're, you're not an accident and that you sit and stand on a privileged creation, a created, a created earth. And then he reminds the Israelite people of their heritage, God's Hesed loyal love. God made a promise to turn them into a nation, and then all of a sudden they find themselves in slavery. Slaves of a different king. Slaves of another nation. God, where is the promise? God, you've, you've brought us through nine plagues. They ain't working. What's going on? It's only 
only getting worse. And then this promise of this 10th plague, it's a doozy. <laughs> Your firstborn's going to die. Unless you sacrifice the lamb, take the lamb's blood, put it over your doorpost, and when the angel of death comes, if it sees the blood of a sacrificed lamb, it will pass over your house, and your firstborn is protected. My son sits with me today. He would have been a goner had I not done that. And in Egypt, many Egyptians lost their firstborn who did not heed the warning of God broke the camel's back as to say, and they were let go. Yay! They're free. They're no longer in bondage. They didn't stay slaves. And he led them out to a sea. And they're sitting there like, okay, cool plague and all. Well, here we are. They have the dust flying up from the chariots and the horses. Pharaoh's army, it's coming. You're screwed unless God shows up and shows off yet again. And they sit there and they have to wonder, God, how are you going to get us out of this? I bet you none of them thought, well, I bet the sea's just going to split wide open here any second. A solution that came that they never even envisioned. And the, and the sea splits. And then think about this. Then they had to walk through it. Like, like the, the, the walls of the sea are opened up, and then they have to step foot and trust that God is going to not say, I'm just kidding. Whoop. They had to walk through it, trusting that God would provide as he's leading them through it to then lead them into the next phase. Pharaoh's army wasn't so lucky. Whoop, gone. He's reminding them of his Hesed love that reminds us that, that you may have been in a season of slavery and bondage, but perhaps God's leading you out of that. But what is he leading you out of to then lead you through, to then lead you through, to then lead into something, a wilderness that will then lead into the promised land. God took millions and millions of people to remind us, millions of people through that whole process to remind us that God knows what he's doing. When it feels hopeless, God don't know the word hopeless because God is love and love always hopes. And so in his loyal love for us, he has a plan. And we might not see it in the midst of our circumstances. And it's a foreshadowing of the cross, where you are doomed in your sin, but God tested loyal love, his mercy for you. This whole situation is a foreshadowing of a cross of the cross where you and I, we are doomed in our sin. We are ones without any hope. You can't, you can't look back on your sin and all of a sudden change it. You ain't got no time machine. You, 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 you can't just all of a sudden be good to perfection. No, our mercy, our merciful God, we rest in the fact that I bring my sin to the table, but God brings his perfection. And I hope upon his perfection. And I get the mercy of God that he outstretched his arms. And the blood of that lamb, the blood of that sacrifice, is where I get to worship and lift a holy king. 
hand and say, God, thank you. You made a way where there was no way. Where I was a slave to sin. Where I was in bondage to sin. No more. I will celebrate my freedom in Jesus Christ. You have led me out to lead me into. Let's sing, No Longer Slaves. Read with me where the psalmist goes to him who struck down the great kings and killed mighty kings. Shion, king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant. Can have a seat. They're led out, they're led through the Red Sea. Now they're in the wilderness because when when they weren't faithful, yet God still proved faithful. They they had to go around the wilderness for a little bit, but God didn't say you're doomed in the wilderness. He then leads them to the promised land, their place of rest. The, the road led to the promised land, but there was a blockage of these kings, these people. It was an occupied territory. God, what are you doing? These are kings that that in that day and age, they're well known for being powerful. Bashan, those are, those are the nation of giants, a whole bunch of big old people. God, I don't know if you know this, but we're former slaves. We're not really these military experts. But God, they were hopeless. They were helpless. But God, they saw a river, they saw a sea, they've seen a whole lot of things split open. They got out of Egypt with some plagues and they show up and there's these giants that look hopeless to them, but God ain't fearful of nothing. They're fearful, but God don't look at them and be like, oh, I wonder how I'm going to get past this. I wonder if I can do this. I wonder if I've got enough power to overtake. Not my God. And they just had to trust as they moved forward with God going before them in their midst. They never saw that the, the walls were just going to fall down. They had to trust God to walk, and God had to bring those walls down. Where do you need to step back, gain some perspective to say, God's been working. Might he work again? My wife is a real estate appraiser, and she's the, the breadwinner in the family. A lot depends on what God does through her. And as a real estate appraiser, she doesn't work a 9-to-5 type job. She's not guaranteed a paycheck. My budget, my family budget, is truly based on what God has done in the past and what, what we best guess what he will continue to be doing. But, but she has to get an email and accept an order, and that's part of her orders are what makes up her paycheck for the week. We have to trust that because should, should, should said jobs not come through, we're beat. And so there was a time, I guess two Decembers ago, where we learned this lesson very early on. It was December, hashtag Christmas and gifts, and Landon's up here like, y'all better buy me something. And we had to sit there, and we had to think, God, there's no jobs coming in, there, which means there's no money coming in. <laughs> and so she was working with Sue Langworthy at the time, and she paused and she prayed, and they prayed together, God, we don't understand why the jobs have just stopped. 
And so they prayed and said, God, we're going to trust you. And they only got work for one week that month. As soon as they said amen, about a half hour later, for that one week, jobs flooded in. They had to put a lot of hours in for one week. But then after that one week, the jobs stopped. It was one week of a whole lot of work that covered our bills for an entire month. Now, I'm not saying let's hopeless go and pray and all of a sudden God's going to flood you with financial or God's going to, like, that may, I don't know how it might work in your circumstance. But I know now looking back that I can look at Ava when she's struggling with jobs not coming in to say, worry less and pray more. Pause. God's done it in the past. I'm pretty sure he'll give us exactly our daily bread, exactly what we need right here and right now. He showed up in the past. He'll show up again. We trust it, and we move forward. So what before you seems hopeless? Might. The purpose of today, stepping back, not getting fixated on that little piece of the, of the picture, but now stepping back and seeing the masterpiece that is your life. Might you step back and think, maybe it's not as hopeless as it is, seems to be. Let's sing. Standing, read with how read with me how the psalmist concludes it. It is in it is he who remembered us in our low estate and rescued us from our foes. Who gives food to all flesh? Give thanks. The God of heaven. You can have a seat. He he talks about his Hesed love. God remembered you. God was there. God did not forget about you. I firmly believe you are not here by accident. And we're declaring to you a God that has not forgotten about you. And to pause and to remember, perhaps, how God has worked in the past and how that brings perspective to the now. Go, go back to that verse for a second. There's, there's a phrase. One more. There's a phrase that is used only here in the Psalms. One more. Oh, no, not the, I'm sorry. It's at the end. Go back to the very end. I screwed that up. Oh, mine killed that moment. All right. God of heaven. That's a phrase only used here in the book of Psalms. At the very end of the psalm, as he's, as he's, he's telling them, remember, remember, like think about God, his Hesed love, all, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. Walks them through creation, walks them, walks them through uh, the, the wilderness and Egypt and, and, and the promised land and those, and those guys that didn't quite mean anything, how he gave you the promised land. And then he reminds them here now of the God of heaven. What does that force you and I to do? Remember an eternal perspective, that we serve the God of heaven who's always been and always will be, that we get to trust a God that says, your life is just a sliver of this universe, sliver of time, and I'm the God of heaven with an eternal perspective. You ain't the God of heaven, I'm the God of heaven. What does that say about your perspective? Perhaps God's been at work for some time. Perhaps in the midst of all of eternity, that's a long time, in this moment, he has remembered you. His Hesed love says, you are worthwhile to me. I love you. I am merciful. Doesn't that paint a picture 
of generosity. That's one of our core values here is generosity. I get to remember. I get to pause and remember the generous nature of my God. And then I get to go and be generous to other people. Do you know what I pause to remember and how my pausing to remember paints a picture of a generous God? Because when I pause to remember, I remember, guess what? God never needed me. He didn't need you. He didn't need me. My salvation doesn't rest upon me. My salvation rests upon him. It's God who's loyal when I'm not. It's God who's consistently loyal. That paints a picture of my Jesus that's worth praising. And that perspective comes into the now where I get to take a step back and to reflect. When I feel paralyzed. Right before Ava, I had dated a girl that paralyzed me. The breakup destroyed me. The breakup left me with some eating things that I was struggling through. The, the, the breakup left me with some things about like wanting to self-harm. The breakup just destroyed me. And I was paralyzed. I, I, I was left thinking, God, I know you love me, but God, I ain't really feeling it right now. This has rocked me. Why isn't this the one? And then I had to remember, well, this ain't my first breakup. <laughs> That one before wrecked me as well, but then I found out some stuff, and I'm like, oh, thank God for that breakup. And the one before that wrecked me as well, and then I found out some stuff, or whatnot. thank God for that breakup. Perhaps now in the present, a perspective of my God and where he's been working will help me then move forward, realizing perhaps I'll get to a time where I say, thank God for this breakup. And then a year later, I'm journaling, saying, God, I'm ready for a wife. God, what are you doing? <laughs> Enter Ava. <laughs> and now I'm eternally thankful for my wife, Ava. And I'm thankful for every breakup that came before her. There weren't many. <laughs> but she's the one. And I am thankful for her because of the hardship that I faced before her. So maybe that's you right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're going through a, a breakup and, and, and it feels like the world has ended. That this was the one. Is it your first breakup? Did it work out before? Maybe this is, maybe you didn't get a promotion or a job or whatnot that you were supposed to get on paper. And you didn't get it. Is it the first time it ever happened? Perhaps it's remembering God you've worked in the past. You have conflict with a friend that's just wrecking your life right now? Is it the first time you've ever had conflict with a friend? Perhaps where God worked in the past, he'll continue to work, and he's moving you forward, even in the midst of hardship right here and now. So I believe the big thought for us this morning is this. Thank our relentless king for his relentless love. Thank our relentless king for his relentless love. When we step back and consider our Jesus, I believe no matter the circumstances, I can say, Jesus, you're a relentless king, and I thank you for your relentless love. You've been relentless throughout the ages. I believe when I step back, look at the masterpiece of eternity, that you are continuing to be relentless even when I do not feel it. So when I step back, I can choose to trust. When I step back, I can choose to say, God, I'm going to move forward. When I step back, I can choose a glass half full perspective because, God, you are moving. God, you will continue to move. And so even in the pain, I can sing a song like, it is well. 
perhaps you haven't been able to sing for some time now, my prayer is that you can step back now, consider our God, and sing it is well. Through it all, my eyes are on you. Because sometimes when we take a step back, it has a way of refocusing us to keep our eyes on truth. Emotions lie to you. Emotions lead to a whole bunch of a tipsy-turvy life. Truth keeps us steadfast. I believe my God is truth. So to take a step back and to remember truth, is God has this unique way to push us forward with that. This week, school vacation week, we got some parents excited for tomorrow, back from school, yay. I shipped my kids up to Boston. Remember that Dropkick Murphy song, shipping up to Boston? I did. I sent them up to the grandma's house up uh, in New Hampshire. Landon was there with grandma. And one of the things I missed was that night, this is Landon's Bible. Uh, one of the things I missed was uh, working through the, the Gospels with Landon and, and my kids. This is a meaningful book to me because it was my grandfather grandfather that sat me down and said um, I'd like you to give this to Landon so that um, when I go he'll have a Bible from me with all of my highlights that he'll remember Pop Pop um, and so Pop Pop gave this to me passed on to Landon and it hit a chord with me because this is the Bible I read from for my devotions, and I never met my grandfather, but he was a missionary and a pastor, and my, my grandfather, Pop Pop to Landon, on the day I graduated high school, gave me his preaching Bible with all of his highlights so that I would know that there's a heritage to what I do. And I thought this week about perspective, taking a step back and realize how privileged you and I to have, are to have the Word of God. You get to have this. You get to pull up your phone and have every 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 translation at your fingertips. You 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 and I get to get to benefit from a church that puts hundreds of thousands of dollars into the U version app that doesn't cost us a dime, so that we can read the Bible whenever we want. It won't even read to us. You know, this book was translated into English during a time where the religious folk didn't want you and I to have an English version of this book. Because they knew that, that oh, should, should the people read God's word, they would know. What do you mean? When, when I sin, I have to give a lot of money? Why well, ain't in the book? What do you, what do you mean? There's, there's scripted prayers that I have to say when I, when I, what? No, that ain't in the, what? You, you mean, when I, I have to do what? That ain't in the book. I have to do, that ain't in the book. They, they knew that if you had this, you would know the heresy that is in the church. So there is a guy, Google this, Tyndale, T-Y-N-D-A-L-E. Google Tyndale. He's a guy that knew that there, that there was heresy in the church, and so he started translating it into English so that you and I would have the Word of God that we can now read every single day. You want to know what happened to him? The church didn't like it. Sorai and the church, they strangled him to death. And then the next day burned his body punish him. Set an example. And so you and I have the word of God in our hands. And, and if we're grateful for it, it doesn't just sit there on the ground doing nothing. 
if we're grateful for it, if we take a step back, understand the heritage, how God has been moving through eternity to get us to the point where we have this in our fingertips, it moves us forward to do what? Read it and give a darn about it. It pushes us forward. My prayer, my challenge to us right now is that we would step back, think beyond ourselves, and move forward. So on your way out, you're going to get a God loves you card. It ain't just a card. It's so that you can leave here, go to brunch, go to lunch, whatever, tip 50%, leave a card so that what's been done to you can be done to others. Where you have felt God moving, how God used his church to come alongside you. How in the past you can point to something that was done to you and say, this is the goodness of God, that you can leave here with that card. Leave it so that they know God loves you and so do we. That this act of kindness is not about me. This act of kindness is so that you would know the goodness of our Lord. There's an opportunity where we're going to leave. We're going to, in 20 minutes, we're going to be at the, the tennis courts right here. And go rake leaves. Because my wife's right. That stinks. <laughs> so we, a slew of us, will go and rake leaves. And maybe it will be an elderly lady. Maybe it will be a, a widowed or divorced mom or something where we get the, I don't know how this is going to be done, but some, we're going to go be an answer to somebody and we're going to point them to Jesus Christ as we do it. So as you leave here, grab a card. Be kindness for somebody else. Stop, reflect, think, move beyond yourselves and then move forward. God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. God, move from our midst, Father. We are grateful for you. May our gratitude Push us now forward. Thank you for needing perspective. Father, may we see life as glass half full. May we mourn when it calls for mourning. But, Father, may we not stay in mourning. May we move forward by the goodness of our God. We love you in your name. Amen. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for watching. If this was your first time with us, we hope you enjoyed that message. And if you call Wellspring Church home, different ways to give are listed in the video description below. And please subscribe to our Facebook, Instagram, and this YouTube channel to be kept up in all the newest content from Wellspring Church.